Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Three o'clock hour underway. How's everybody doing? Thanks for tuning in. 106.7 The Fan on your AM FM dial. We're on the Odyssey app. We're on the street. TheFanDC.com. However you are tuned in. We appreciate you hanging out with us for just a little bit. I'm Danny Noakes with you up until 4 p.m. My guys, Lenell Willingham and Denton Day here producing the show. Appreciate all their hard work. And as a reminder, as we were coming out of that last segment, Sam Fortier of the Washington Post is going to join us at the bottom of this hour, about 3.30, 3.35. It'll probably be a little bit closer to 3.35. But with Sam, we'll go over what we just did with Linnell. Talk about the commander's schedule, some of the expectations. I pointed to nine games, three different, three-game stretches as to what will dictate the commander's season and how good they will be. How much of a step forward will they take? Because I think most of us do agree that they will take a step forward, except for maybe the most pessimistic of fans. But how big a step forward will they take? That is a big question that is being asked by lots of people. And we will dive into that with Sam Fortier, as well as some of the happenings at Rookie Minicamp, the commanders getting their first look at their rookie class here. And by the way, speaking of rookie classes, I saw that the New York Giants rookie class went out uh, for a night on the town with the great Ric Flair. Woo! Yeah. I can't even imagine what that would have been like in Ric Flair's heyday. They, no, no, there's no way that they would have ever let that happen, actually. There's just no way. Uh, but that was pretty cool. You know, Ric Flair's been dealing with some some health issues over the last couple of years, so uh, that, that was just kind of funny. Mini camps, OTAs, we're, we're now into that time of year, but before we talk any more NFL, before we talk NBA playoffs, which we'll do in the next segment, because we got some good NBA basketball to talk about, I want to go back to the Caps and whether or not you think that the Caps are finished. And this core, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Carlson, Wilson, these guys, do they have enough in the tank to make another run? My thought, absolutely. Even after watching that disheartening ending last night, and really the last three games, absolutely disheartening because the Caps had leads in all three of those games that they ended up losing. Up two games to one. They're a Garnett Hathaway empty net attempt away from going up three games to one. And we're talking about a completely different series at that point. It's hard to think the Panthers come back from that because the Caps had come out, punched them in the mouth, surprised them. They did not expect the Caps to come out and give them the fight. I think that they did. But without Wilson, things happened. And it definitely did not go the way that we expected towards the end of of game four before things just really started to crumble. 
But I look at I look at this team right now, right? Ovi is going to be 37 when next season starts, but he just put together another 50 goal season. I mean, you watched that game last night, and nobody wanted to win more on either side of the ice than Ovechkin. I I look at his reaction to Oshie's game tying goal in the final two minutes of the game. I look at the way he was throwing his body around, knowing that it was an elimination game. He always plays his tail off, but he's producing too. It'd be different if he wasn't putting up north of 50 goals. And he didn't play every game this year. Nicholas Backstrom is 34 years old. But Backy just had six points in six games over this playoff series. He missed some time this year due to injury. At times, it seemed like we might never see him back this season. But he comes in six points over six games. He was good. He was what we needed. And then you had TJ Oshie. Played as few regular season games as he has recently. But then he comes in and he makes some of the biggest plays of the series. Including the game-tying goal of last night's game. Tom Wilson, 24 goals, 52 points in the regular season. Averaging eight, 18 and a half minutes of playing time a game. And again, he scored the first goal of the series for the Caps and then... He got hurt. We never saw him again. So this is all well and good, Danny, right? But it's not resulting in any playoff series wins. Yes, you're right about that. And I'm not here to make excuses because this franchise should have more to show for the Hall of Fame caliber core that this team has outside of the one Stanley Cup that they did get, which is still a big deal. And they deserve credit for that. It'll live in our hearts forever. But I just look at all of the factors that have gone into why the Caps have struggled to win a playoff series in the last decade. And there's just too many to put on one person, to really put on one of these teams, right? It's been four years in a row that they've been bounced in the first round. But you can't ignore the injuries, right? They play some sort of a role every year. Ovi and Backy have been banged up before. This year it was Tom Wilson but injuries are something that you have to factor in. And yes, there's something that you ultimately have to overcome. But if you're playing without one of your best players and the Caps were without Tom Wilson for the last five games of the series, you're not going to be as good a team as you were. Now, the Caps also change, have been changing coaches every two to three years, right? They couldn't find a way to retain Barry Trotz. And the narrative goes like this with Trotz. Leonsis and management knew that it was going to be Trotz's last year going into that 2017-2018 that season. But my question would be, as they go on this run, as they win the Stanley Cup, did they really not try to ramp those discussions back up? They, they really couldn't put that behind them? Because guess what? Now, as good as the Islanders were for maybe the first two years of Trotz's tenure, he's already been fired. He's gone. He's looking for another job again. Now, you also have to factor in, and some might roll your eyes to some degree, but there is an element of good fortune, a luck, if you will, that you need to win a championship in any professional sport. you got to have good health. There is an element of fortune in that. There's not a lot of control that you have over whether or not guys stay healthy. And the Caps, a lot of the time, don't have things bounce their way. You got a best player banged up. You need some puck luck. They get a ridiculous deflection, and it goes in. And in a game where that sort of thing happens and decides games quite regularly, yeah, you do need the puck to bounce your way every now and then. It's physics. You can't always account for that. So I just don't buy that this is it, 
right? And I could be wrong, but I, I steadfast believe that as long as OV is leading this core, he's producing at the rate that he is right now, I'm going to give them a good chance. Not just a chance, but a good chance. Several times throughout that 2018 run, we buried them. Buried them against Columbus when they fell behind by a couple of games in that series. Buried them against Pittsburgh. Never thought that they would come out of the uh, win a second playoff series against the Pens, who have just been the worst type of opponent to play in the playoffs for the Caps. Compared to Crosby, compared to Malkin, and they finally got over the hump in that. But then it was the conference finals against Tampa. They fell behind in a, and had to play multiple elimination games in that series as well. It looked like they could easily lose any one of those three series, and then they didn't. And then they went and lost game one of the Stanley Cup final to Vegas. Now, I'll say at that point, I knew game one didn't matter because the Caps should have won game one. They very easily could have swept Las Vegas in that series. They were a significantly better team, significantly. But now, that's still all that the Caps in this core have to show for the many years that they've been playing together. 2018, four straight first-round playoff exits, and it's left a lot of us scratching our heads once again. But I still believe that they have a very good chance, as long as this core stays together. There are obviously some moves that they're going to have to make in the offseason. You know, someone like Mantha, who they added a couple of years ago. He was better this year. Do you try and hang on to him long term? That's tough to say. Garnet Hathaway is a guy I feel like we've seen grow up a lot too over the last couple of years. Coming away with some very big plays, but leaves a lot to be desired in plenty of situations. So there's plenty of things to figure out. A lot of it for management. But again, if Ovechkin is still chasing Gretzky's number, that all-time goal mark, and just the way that the guy plays hockey in general, I give him a chance because he's going to go out there like his hair's on fire and the guys follow his lead. Backstrom, Carlson, Wilson, the rest of the squad, they always follow his lead. So let's do this. Step aside. Take another quick break. NBA playoffs coming up next. We watched the Celtics and the Bucks as well as the Warriors and the Grizzlies last night. More NBA playoffs coming your way before we talk to Sam Fortier, little NFL at the bottom of the hour, 3.30. Stick around. This is the You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Man. 
Just a few segments left this afternoon on 106.7 The Fan. Thanks for tuning in. Danny Noakes with you up until 4 p.m. We got some stuff to get to, and a reminder that coming up at 3.35, we're going to talk to Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. He's on the Commander's Beat. We'll talk about the Commander's schedule, the release that came earlier this week, as well as rookie minicamp. What were some of the takeaways that Sam had from watching guys like Jahan Dotson and Brian Robinson Jr. and Fedarian Mathis take the field for the first time in the burgundy and gold. Because, yes, we can still say the burgundy and gold, ladies and gentlemen. See what those guys have been up to. But this segment here for the next 10 minutes or so, wanted to bring our guy Linnell Willingham back in here. Linnell, one of our two producers today, along with Denton Day, to talk some NBA playoffs. Because, Linnell, I said a couple weeks ago, I didn't, feel a lot of juice in the playoffs, but I think that, that was only because we had some first round matchups that mm, duds. May, yeah, duds, duds was the best <laughs> way to describe it. Yeah. They just weren't particularly even evenly matched teams. But now what we're seeing is so, some very competitive back and forth basketball. And if we start with the first game that was played yesterday between the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks, I mean we really saw a back and forth battle between Jason Tatum and Giannis Antetokounmpo. It seemed like Giannis was going to get a triple-double at one point. And 44 points, 20 rebounds, 6 assists. He wasn't very far off. But, you know, Jason Tatum and the Celtics, you got to give a ton of credit to them because they stepped up when they needed it most, not only to force the Game 7, but they did it on the road, Linnell. So Jason Tatum is is really... I mean, he's playing his tail off and he's playing well right now, but he's he's entering... If he's not already, star territory. Yeah, and I was talking to Denton about this in in the commercial break. Like, this second round right now is really going to show who are the true stars of this league because I think three of the top five best players in the league right now are are still left. Talking about Giannis, Luka, and Jason Tatum, don't hesitate. He's he's a bad man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's very much in that in that conversation and category, and like the fact that they're so young doing this. And I, I'm, I was saying to Denton, like this is the golden age of NBA stars. Yeah, I don't think there's ever been a time period in the history of this game. And obviously, I'm young, so I can't speak back too far. <laughs> but that there have just been this many stars, and then for Giannis to be doing it in a small market like Milwaukee, it, it's great for basketball right now. It really is. It is, and, and it's cool to see because, like you said, Milwaukee is a smaller market, maybe one that you don't necessarily see star players go to very often, and there's a number of different reasons for that. But to see so many of them and to have them so young, as, as you alluded to, Linnell, it's it's definitely we're seeing a transitional time in the NBA, and and I think it's great. I think it's, I think it's really cool to look forward to. Uh, I know there was a play last night that a lot of people had took to Twitter when it came to Giannis putting up a shot and, and a travel that wasn't called yeah. but you know if if we look towards game 7 of that which is tomorrow at 3:30 on ABC they're going back to Boston and the way the Celtics played there in game 6 I definitely think it could be a toss up but the way the Tatum played I, I don't know I think I like Boston in that series yeah I, I still haven't I still haven't decided it's just for me to have to just win one game if you're Giannis. I think it's just going to be hard for Boston to contain him for one That's game. That's true. Yeah. And like like you said, you know, being that it's on the road, you know, for them for Milwaukee, I want to see these role players and how they're able to shoot on the road cuz that's really been the difference in these series uh, in this series. 
is when the role players, guys like Marcus Smart and Al Horford, when they've been, you know, giving you that 15 to 20 points and Al Horford, you know, hit seven threes in that one game. Mm-hmm. It just it changes the uh, it changes the whole whole outlook of the series for both of the teams. Speaking of making seven three pointers, Tatum did just that last night. Yeah. Seven of fifteen from downtown. That's incredibly efficient for someone. Obviously, the plays a small forward position like Tatum, but at his size, that's a very tough skill set. Yeah, that's a tough skill set to prepare for. But like you said, Giannis is not going to go quietly into the night. Former MVP, won a championship last year. I expect him to put up a similar stat line, if not even bigger. I, I, I'm kind of anticipating a 50-burger. Yeah, I'm anticipating 50 points. It's playoff Giannis. We talk about playoff LeBron. This is the new thing. Playoff mm-hmm. Giannis. His last, three of his last four, he's gone for 40. Yeah. So it's like it's kind of like you said. It's what we expect you know, from a player of his caliber in a big-time moment like this. I even take it back to, to game seven of the finals last year. For a guy who shot 64% from the free throw line during the regular season to go out and hit 14 of 15 or, or was it 18 or 19 or whatever he hit, you know, to clinch it last year. I mean, he, he's got clutch gene in him. Yeah, and, and deservedly so, a former MVP and has the championship and has elevated himself to, to one of the top five players in the game right now, just kind of depending on how you decide to measure that. So it's Milwaukee and Boston from Boston tomorrow, 3.30 tip on ABC. The other Game 7 that we're going to see is between Dallas and Phoenix, Linnell. But before we get to that, Memphis and Golden State played an interesting game last yeah. night. The Grizzlies facing elimination. No John Morant. But as, as I was watching it, I was really impressed with the way that they kept this game close. It took a pretty good performance from both Steph and Clay to knock the Grizzlies out. The Warriors won the series 4-2, to and they were my pick to go to come out of the West. But... If you're a Grizzlies fan, you have to be high on what this team it, it could be years to come. Yeah, they're well coached, man. The the kid, uh, the dude Taylor Jenkins. Yeah, he you know he got him playing hard. That's really what it is. And he's a younger guy, and like you see, I think it was Malika Andrews that posted something saying this is one of her favorite teams to cover. Right, they're all around the same age, and they just play hard for each other. Like you can see that like there's a real bond in their locker room. That's why when Ja Morant misses time, they're 21 and six without Ja Morant. Danny. Yeah. So like, it's not just the Ja Morant show. I, I thought they were going to, for, for a moment there in that first half, I thought that they were going to, you know, force a game seven, but it felt like it, it did. It, they were, they were knocking down some big yeah, threes, you know, clay, clay got off to a hot start and, <laughs> he, was, and yeah, he was crazy. Memphis was keeping pace. Yeah, it really seemed like that 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 game there might have been a a chance at Game Seven when you know no John Morant that might not necessarily have been the way you expect that to play out. So Milwaukee and Boston will play for the right to go up against the Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler, who has been whew, man that dude is also on another yeah. planet right now with the way that he's playing. But the Warriors now are awaiting the winner of Game Seven tomorrow night between Dallas and Phoenix. We teed it up a bit. You know, this this Luka-Devin Booker rivalry oh, is, is really awesome. And and Devin Booker is obviously one of the best players in the league now, too. So I'm expecting a, a big game worth of production from both of those guys tonight, or tomorrow night, rather. Yeah, it should be good. Um, I th- it, You know, you, you go to game seven and you're going to, like, battle. Like, you know, like it's the last game you ever play, and then you got mm-hmm. Golden State waiting for you. <laughs> so whoever wins this, I think, is at a disadvantage already because you're going to get a Golden State team with a couple days more rest. Yep. And for a team that shoots the ball and shoots a high volume of threes like they do, 
having your legs and getting rest is just so crucial, especially in these playoffs when things get tighter. But what Luke is doing, what Luke is doing, like you mentioned, it's special. It, it really is. is. And, and it's it's also kind of crazy to think that, you know, at one point they had Kristaps Porzingis, too, who obviously they traded it all. To it makes me question Wizards. that deal, you know, that much more because we hosed them in the trade, I feel like. I think the, so, too. Yeah, the production that Dinwiddie <laughs> and, and Bertans are giving them, they could definitely use the 20 and 8 that Porzingis was giving you every night. I, I don't know what what went on internally there and why they felt they had to move off of them, but the Wizards are winners because of it. Yeah, may, and maybe maybe it was just because they didn't see Luca and Kristaps the way that they wanted to play their offense. Maybe they just didn't see that working well long term. I don't know. I agree with you though in that the Wizards got the much better end of the yeah, deal 100%. there. And like you said, Bertans and, and Dinwiddie, they've they've made some big shots, but I, I don't know if they give you the same sort of production that someone as good as as Porzingis does. So I'm excited. Who's your NBA Finals prediction right now with the teams we got left now? Who do you see making it way to making it all the way? I like gold. I'm gonna go Golden State and Boston. That would be that'd be good for television. Yeah, it'd be good for television. I just think, I think Giannis. There's no chance that they don't get back. He's the most dominant player right now. I feel like in the postseason, I feel like it'll be Milwaukee. I don't. I don't know. I, the Western Conference is really the, the toss-up for me. Okay. I, I I like the championship pedigree that Golden State has, mm-hmm. but I feel like the size. If 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 Phoenix is able to win this game seven, I think Phoenix is a terrible matchup for Golden State from a size standpoint because of DeAndre yeah. Ayton and Javale McGee and those guys. Yeah. So very I like, good point. Uh, I, I like a rematch of of last year's. I like okay. uh, Phoenix and Milwaukee. Bucks Suns. I, I like that. You know, I liked that matchup too last year. I was totally fine with it. And as soon as I said Boston, by the way, Lanel, I immediately kind of regretted it. I was like, <laughs> I kind of, I, I kind of wish I could change that to Miami. Uh, yeah. But it's not Milwaukee who you're picking. You know, so there's a lot that could happen. There's a lot that it's, could happen. It's weird though because I feel like Miami is the team that they're getting the least amount of run right now as far as from like the media because they don't play like a sexy brand of basketball and it's right. real defensive oriented and a lot of people aren't jimmy butler fans out there i don't <laughs> That's know if you, true if you've been on the twitter sphere on the bird app they don't like jimmy butler too much they don't they they don't they don't they they think his attitude is uh is is a little tumultuous i guess <laughs> but uh but darn it if he isn't a really good pl- player and he's a hooper yeah and if he hasn't elevated the Miami Heat back to the level that they were at when they were winning championships. I mean, that's that's really the only way to look at it. So at a time here in this segment, great stuff, though, Linnell. Great insight, as always, buddy. Let's do this. We'll step aside. We'll take another quick break. And coming up next, we'll go back to the NFL, talk a little Washington Commanders with the beat writer for the Washington Post, Sam Fortier. Stick around. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. It's been a great show so far today. We've had a lot of fun. Thanks so much to... Our first guest joined us all the way back at the top of the 2 o'clock hour. That's Pete Medhurst, co-host of Russell and Medhurst over on our sister station, the Team 980, 3 to 7 p.m. on the weekdays. And, of course, Pete has the call alongside Charlie Slows tonight, the Washington Nationals and the Houston Astros. That'll take place right here on 106.7 The Fan, 7.05, first pitch, 6.35. Pre-game coverage here, and we're with you up until 4 o'clock. So just about 24 minutes to go until we get bumped off the air. So let's waste no time. Let's go to the phones, and let's welcome in our next guest. He covers the Commanders for the Washington Post. Give a warm welcome to Sam Fortier. You can find him on Twitter at Sam4TR. Sam, thanks for carving out a little bit of time for us on a Saturday, man. How are you? 
Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm thinking about how, uh, you know, obviously Nats Astros. I remember, you know, I was at spring training three years ago, and this was when the whole sign-stealing saga broke. I know that's not what I came on here to talk about, but, man, it feels like that was yesterday. I, it feels like it was yesterday, and also at the same time, somehow feels like it was a decade ago, doesn't it? Because that Nats World Series doesn't exactly feel like it happened very soon, does it? <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Uh, I was down in Houston, and when Howie Kendrick hit the pole and everything like that, and it, it does feel like a long time ago, but, uh, you know, obviously they share the spring training complexes. So I remember, like, shuttling back and forth between clubhouses and uh, asking Jose Altuve if he wore a buzzer, and he gave me a death stare. So, uh, <laughs> you know, pretty crazy. That's funny. I actually didn't know that. That's that's pretty funny that you actually had the chance to ask Altuve about that. That's that's pretty funny. But, Sam, I, I want to talk to you about the Commanders, take a look at their schedule before we take a look at what uh, Rookie Minicamp was like. And, you know, I've, I've really broken the, the schedule down into three key trios of games for the Commanders. And the first one is Philadelphia, Dallas, Tennessee. That That's weeks uh, three through five, I believe. Weeks 7 through 9, Packers, Colts, Vikings, and then weeks 16 through 18, which is the Niners, Browns, and the Cowboys. But, but if I look at the top of the schedule, right, they open with Jacksonville and Detroit. And I think when you look at these first five games, it becomes clear as to why those matchups are going to be important as heck for them to win. I mean, they're going to be just about much must-wins because you drop one or both of those games, you're staring down two divisional games in a matchup against a physical Tennessee team. So... I think that stretch is going to tell us very, very early on what we can expect from this team this year. Yeah, and, and if you look back to Ron Rivera's career, not just in Washington but in Carolina, he never really started strong outside of that, obviously that 15-1 year. But right. in Washington, you know, he's gone through, what, nine or ten games with only one or two or three wins in, the, in his first two years. So, you know, he has a real opportunity to start strong, especially with those first two games that you mentioned with Jacksonville and Detroit. And then, you know, you get a little bit of step up in competition, but in part because the NFC East is so weak, um, you're going, you know, you have one of the easiest schedules in the league this year um, by opponent win percentage, by betting markets, everything tells you this is a real chance for, for Washington to take a step forward in year three. And, and it gets started early, which will be a contrast um, to the let's game out a very narrow path to the playoffs. Like they've had the last two years. Right. And, and it feels like through those first five games, there's a very good chance for them to go at least three and two. And things could go south. Injuries could factor in and, and they might not get to that point. But I think if they do get to a point where they can go three and two in that first five games, they set themselves up very nice for the rest of the season. Now, what I do also want to ask you about, Sam, is, is Carson Wentz and him and some of the big matchups that he'll be involved in this year. Obviously, he's going to be counted on a lot just as the starting quarterback for the Commanders and someone that can be a step up from Taylor Heineke last year. But you look at the fact that he faces his former head coach in Week 1, Doug Peterson. He's going to play in Philadelphia on Monday Night Football, and he goes back to Indianapolis this year. So that's just a lot of emotion that, that could creep in for him, and there have obviously been rumors about how he handles that sort of thing, his ability to handle certain types of adversity. So the way that Carson Wentz plays in some of these big games is also going to be a big factor as to how successful the commanders are. Absolutely. And and to me, I kind of look at that three-week stretch, weeks eight to nine, late October to early, you know, mid-November, where it's at Indianapolis, Minnesota, and at Philadelphia. That's, that's kind of the QB reunion tour because uh, in the middle of those two games where Carson's going to Indy and then to Philly, Kirk Cousins is making, you know, his first trip back to FedEx. So um, Carson Wentz's ability to keep his emotions in check, to play through them, 
to withstand uh, what, is, what I think is going to be two pretty hostile crowds. Um, you know, obviously sandwiches the Kirk Cousins return, but I think that to me is going to be a really critical part of the season, not only because of what it tells us about Carson, but also because, you know, if you come out of that, you know, stretch, you talked about maybe three and two, it's just, that is going to be, I think, a, a pretty important um, stretch because, you know, if you play well, you can go into the bye uh, in week 14, which is obviously late, um, but you can kind of sustain that um, momentum through the end of the year. Sam Fortier, he covers the Washington Commanders for the Washington Post. He's with us right now. You can find him on Twitter, at Sam Fortier. Sam, I also, in, in regards to the schedule, I, I look at it up and down, and you've got a week 14 bye week for the Commanders, and that's quite late. And if, if I'm not mistaken, you had the chance to catch up with Mike North, NFL VP of uh, Broadcast Planning, about that decision. I'm curious as to what you could tell us as to how all of that shook out, because the other thing that could happen is you have a bye way too early in the season. So this, this gets kind of complicated. Yeah. So he kind of explained that when they went from, uh, you know, 17 weeks to 18 weeks last year, they decided that they would let those buys kind of dribble down to week 14. Um, and you know, just, it just so happens that Washington in, in, you know, cause they come up with thousands of schedules, uh, you know, via computer modeling every year. And he said, basically Washington, um, you know, got put with the late buy, and, and he said that it's important to remember that no team has ever come to them and said, oh, you know, my buy is too late. They've always said it's too early. So he was like, you know, it might seem like a long time, but they also factor in those Thursday games as quote-unquote mini-buys. And Washington obviously has its Thursday night game at Chicago in week six. So he said that mini-buy, that 10 games, uh, the 10 days of rest you'll get coming out of that game is sort of a mini-buy in week six followed by the full one in week 14. So he really downplayed the severity of that, and, and I don't think Washington is going to see it as a big deal, even though it stands out as being so late. Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good point. That's great insight there from, from Mike North. And w- what's interesting is that it, it forces the commanders to play the Giants ba- in, in back-to-back games. It won't be back-to-back weeks, but they're on the road at the Giants on December 4th before the Giants come to FedEx Field on December 18th before the final trio of games that I have circled, Sam, which is on the road at San Francisco and then at home to finish against Cleveland and Dallas. There's a lot of uncertainty at the quarterback position for some of the teams that are on their schedule this year, which is the complete opposite of the schedule that they played last year, playing, what, six of the eight top quarterbacks in the league, including like three or four of the best. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is certainly a, a big step down um, in terms of the level of competition. And, and hopefully, you know, Washington can take advantage of that. Because obviously, as you noted at the top of the show, Washington, I do think, is, is getting a significant upgrade at quarterback itself. Even though Carson Wentz is going to be a roller coaster, you're going to have to, you know, withstand some of those down moments. And obviously, he had one of them last year uh, against Jacksonville at the end of the year. And he's going to get a chance to, um, you know, kind of, uh, get his second chance against that Jaguars defense uh, early this year. But really, I, you know, when you talk about the signal callers uh, that they're going to be facing, they're certainly on a, a much more level playing field this year than they were last year. Though, uh, as everybody remembers, Taylor Heineke uh, beat Tom Brady. So, you know, that, that goes to show how much we know now. <laughs> 
and Russell Wilson too. You can't forget that there were there were a number of players on there that uh, that the, the Commanders obviously had to go up against and, and had some surprising results. At the end of the day, seven and ten isn't that bad when you had Heineke as the starting quarterback. But, but Sam, before I let you go, Commanders rookie minicamp last week. First look at guys like Jahan Dotson. Uh, Fidarian Mathis, Brian Anderson Jr., lots of other players. Is there anything in particular that stood out to you most about the Commanders rookie class, what you've seen so far? I'm always wary of kind of projecting or, or extrapolating on like players' abilities from practicing on air their first time in professional uniforms. But I will say with that caveat um, that Jahan Dotson really seems like uh, a guy who is going to come in and, and make a contribution right away. Not only uh, did he have some impressive catches, you know, body control, you know, seeing things uh, into his hands, whether it be late reactions or, or noticing, you know, there were just some errant passes because the quarterbacks and, and the receivers weren't on the same page uh, because they hadn't worked together too much, and, and he really made some nice grabs. And I think just in talking to him, um, he's, he's an impressive, you know, he's an impressive guy. He was ready to skip his graduation until Ron Rivera said no and uh, kind of stepped in and said, that's important for you to go to. Jahan said, you know, uh, I'm, you know, among the first in my family to graduate college, so so it did mean a lot to me that, that Ron would step in and say that. Um, so just, you know, in the limited interactions we've had with the guy, um, I do kind of buy the idea that, that, you know, Martin Mayhew, the GM, and Ron um, were saying after the draft, which is they expect this guy to come in and contribute right away and, and be a mature, um, productive force um, as a rookie. So I, I, I am seeing um, a little bit of evidence for that right now. Yep, and like you said, they definitely can't take away too much when these guys are just practicing on air, haven't seen any real NFL game action just yet, but stuff to look forward to. And with OTAs on the way and the rest of the NFL offseason really honestly coming to an end here pretty soon over the next month and a half or so, it's definitely a lot of fun to look forward to the 2022-2023 season. Sam, I'll let you go. Thanks for having a little bit of time for us on a Saturday. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. We'll talk to you soon, man. Of course. Thanks for having me, man. Yep, you got it. That's Sam Fortier. He's on the Commander's Beat for the Washington Post. You can find him on Twitter at Sam Fortier. All right, let's do this. One final segment. It's coming up next. Stick around. Got a little bit of fun topics to close out the show. We'll tie a bow on everything, send out some thank yous, and let you guys get back to the rest of your weekend. Stick around. You're listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 1067 The Fan. Talked a little bit about rookie minicamp and what it was like earlier this week when we got our first look at Jahan Dotson. And Sam, very understandably saying, can't take away too much from the guys practicing on air. Not a whole lot of, well, no NFL action as of late for those gentlemen just yet. But we're nearing the point where we're going to start seeing them more. Training camp will be here in just a couple of months. So uh, we're getting there, ladies and gentlemen. And 
with a couple of NBA Game 7s tomorrow night and a Game 7 in the NHL tonight, I would say that living is pretty good right now. And this is our final segment. We've only got a few minutes, so just to have a little fun here, I saw, here's two quick things, right? I saw last night Max Scherzer was pitching for the New York Mets, obviously Scherzer being the former Washington National, but the Mets are leading the NL East. Scherzer, he's doing pretty well. We know how competitive he is. Well, last night, he took the field for his start against the Seattle Mariners, and he did so ahead of the ceremonial first pitch, which was supposed to be thrown out by the Japanese ambassador to the U.S. It was Japanese Heritage Night at City Field up there in Queens. And Max got out there first, and he decided that the mound was now his for the night. And he ultimately refused to let the guy throw out the ceremonial first pitch, and it was a very awkward situation. And some perspective, Garrett Cole angrily called for pregame ceremonies to warm up on opening day, and there was a Yankees super fan and comedian who was out there throwing the first the ceremonial first pitch, and then Garrett Cole went out and allowed three runs there in the first inning. Didn't feel like he was warmed up enough. So to a certain degree, yeah, I understand why Max didn't want to let that happen, but and that's why I'm not necessarily blaming him. It He did make it a little bit awkward, and Max is definitely a really intense guy, can make some situations awkward, but uh, it seems like the whoever's running the show there for the Mets needs to tighten some things up because that probably shouldn't have happened. It definitely shouldn't have happened. I've thrown out three first pitches in my tenure, all of them in minor league baseball, though. Don't Never had the pleasure of doing the major league games, but once in uh, Pulaski for the Yankees organization and actually twice here in Richmond for the Flying Squirrels. Uh, I've, I've thrown out the first pitch there as well. So I just thought that that was funny. Really puts Max's personality on display. Uh, and then the other thing, real quick, Arkansas-Vanderbilt college baseball game last night. Fan out in left field just plucked a raccoon out of the stands somewhere. Like it was nothing. They're built different down there in, in Arkansas, over there in Arkansas. I, I, we had a, a possum on our fence a couple of uh, a week or so ago and we were just trying to get it back to wherever it came from but i definitely wasn't picking that thing up so oh man it, it's funny what 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 things you can run into in the stands out there but anyway we're just about out of time ladies and gentlemen i want to send a big thank you to both of my producers today denton day and Linnell willingham thank you guys both you're the men really appreciate you We'll do it again very soon. Thanks to my guests, Pete Medhurst, co-host Russell and Medhurst, weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on the Team 980, and Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Remember, Nats pregame coverage starts at 6.35. Pete Medhurst alongside Charlie Slows. They've got the call, 7.05 first pitch, Astros and the Nats. That's it for us. Until next time, be safe, be kind, and be well. I'm out of here. Deuces. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.